0: Over a long enough period of time, all living things on Earth will just turn into crabs. I'm only kind of kidding. In five separate instances, completely different ocean species that did not start as crabs all evolved into them. They look and act like, quote, true crabs, but they all got there from very different beginnings. This process, something that wasn't a crab evolving into one, has happened enough times that it has a name. Carcinization. And it's not just the exterior shape of a crab, a shape very useful for living in the ocean, that these species evolve into. A paper on this phenomenon details neurological commonalities, shared circulatory systems, and more. This isn't superficial. All of these different species really evolved into crabs, inside and out. I'll pop the article in the show notes in case you need more of a crab fix. The crab article that spurred this whole intro was sent to me in an email digest of interesting articles I get, and that email was sandwiched between a bunch of email pitches for startup ideas, Tacklebox alums sending along investor decks for feedback, and a few emails from retail companies I subscribe to. The timing was perfect because everything the pitches, the decks, the salesy emails from retailers they all blurred together. There are a few archetypes. First, D2C brands that cut out some sort of middleman or got the components of their product quote from the source and were focused obsessively on the details and clearly spent some money on the millennial aesthetic. In the decks, their customer acquisition strategy was partnerships with established brands, Instagram, and Facebook. Next, There were b2b software startups that offered a subscription service to help small companies hire reduce turnover or sell the copy was playful their differentiator was that they were quote human and their market was small businesses that had just raised a series a they all talked about scaling with those companies as they grew finally there were wellness brands that had pithy copy connected customers to an expert or coach by a text message and all focused on fitness or diet or mental health they had the millennial aesthetic They focused on Instagram, Facebook, and partnerships, and they wanted to have bite-sized interactions to help people build and keep habits. Rinse, repeat. Each company was quoting from a playbook that has worked really well over the last 10 years. But in their emails, every company asked for help for the same thing. They couldn't break through to customers. They wanted to talk more with me about acquisition channels or messaging or branding to see if I had any amazing insights that might help. And of course, they wanted to talk about these things, because at some point, all of these once interesting ideas had all coalesced into the same few archetypes everyone's pretty fatigued of. They'd all evolved into a bunch of crabs running around on the beach. It reminds me a bit of the advanced metrics movement in sports. Maybe 10 years ago, the Rockets and their GM, Daryl Morey, realized that a three-pointer is worth 50% more than a two-pointer. They then focused on taking way more three-pointers and only a very high percentage of two-pointers than everyone else. This led to them winning a bunch of games in baseball. The Tampa Bay Rays realized they can move their defensive players in real time based on where certain hitters were most likely to hit the ball. Each of these teams had an advantage for a few years, but now those strategies are table stakes as every team in the league has copied them. And frankly, those tactics are overemployed. The alpha is completely gone. We're at that point with the startup archetypes above. Actual differentiation is really hard to come by. It's like everyone is still shooting three pointers because the next thing hasn't been figured out yet, and so everyone looks the same. Differentiation is a huge topic, so we're gonna dig in today on a set of key questions you need to ask to get yourself some. Specifically, I wanna talk about one of the more innovative business models I've seen in the past decade. This is true differentiation, and it comes from an unusual source, a shoe company. I'm Brian Scordato, and this is the Idea to Startup podcast brought to you by Tacklebox. If you've got a startup idea and a full-time job, we've got something for you. Our 25th cohort of our seven-week accelerator program is unfortunately filled up. However, we're going to start beta testing a new product we've been working on for a long time, our self-serve accelerator program. It's the full Tacklebox program on your own schedule. Learn the process of validating and building a startup idea in the margins. The self-serve product allows you to work faster or slower and doesn't tie you to our formal program cadence. Sign up to be a beta tester at gettacklebox.com backslash self-serve, all one word, just S-E-L-F-S-E-R-V-E. We've got a limited group going through, so toss your email in there if you're interested in working with us. Back to it. I'm a Nike guy. I've worn Nike shoes since I was 10, I own way more Jordans than I'm comfortable admitting, and I've run in the same style of Nikes, the Nike Pegasus, for the past decade. I've never considered buying another pair of running sneakers until recently. On is a performance brand you've probably noticed and maybe heard of. I've also heard the brand referred to as On Running. Anecdotally, the brand seems to be growing steadily the past couple of years. I've definitely noticed more people wearing them in New York City where I live. About a month ago, On launched maybe the most innovative shoe of the last decade. And that includes the self-lacing Nikes I'm going to buy if I ever hit the lotto. It's a running shoe made out of 100% recyclable material, specifically castor beans, which are, I guess, beans. But that's not the innovative thing. Tons of companies are going down the fully recyclable path. What's innovative is the business model. Customers pay 30 bucks a month for these shoes. Every time you want a new pair, they'll send you one. You just put your old shoes in the box that the new shoes come in and you send them back. You can do this as often as you'd like. They're like the Olive Garden breadsticks of shoes. A SaaS model, in this case shoes as a service, isn't revolutionary. Rent the Runway as well as tons of other companies and tons of different industries do it. So what's up? Why is this so differentiated? The first question you need to ask about differentiation is what's my customer's decision process look like now? A great way to differentiate is to understand your customer's decision process deeply enough to know what something different would even look like. This may seem like top-level stuff, but most companies we work with don't even get that deep. The innovative on-shoes are running shoes, so let's first look at how people buy running shoes. At a high level, there are two types of running shoe customers. People who buy the same pair every year, we'll call them the rigid buyers like me, and then there are the tinkerers. These are the early adopters of the running shoe world. They buy different types of shoes all the time to test out the new technologies or brands. The tinkerers take pride in knowing about everything new. They're usually the touch point in their group of friends. When someone needs a new pair of running shoes, they go to the tinkerer. The goal of the tinkerer is to be in the know. The rigid buyer, on the other hand, takes pride in not having to make a decision. The shoes they have work. The goal of the rigid buyer is to remove all the friction that keeps them from running. They just want to run and they don't want to get hurt. That's me. I'm the rigid buyer and we're going to take my perspective. Here's how I see the world of running shoes. I've got the Nike Pegasus shoe, the shoe I've been running in for a decade, and I buy the new version every year, just about every six months. All of the other running shoes look exactly the same to me. they are a bunch of crabs on the beach. They're just not the Pegasus. These are other Nikes. These are Adidas. These are those big chunky Hoka shoes. They're all in the not Pegasus category, and I don't give them any mind and haven't for a decade. Then, On came out with their $30 per month subscription running shoe. Instead of trying to be the best running shoe for me out of an Everest-sized mountain of running shoes that are never going to beat out the Pegasus, they became the only running shoe I could own monthly. I never would have dreamed of considering On shoes before, but now I could try them for 30 bucks, and they'd send me a new pair whenever I'd like, and this somehow wasn't wasteful? In the words of Scott Galloway, I could have all of the great taste of feeling like I get new shoes all the time with none of the calories of feeling wasteful. On made me think, what is it that I really like about running shoes? I certainly like that I don't have to think about them and I can just buy my new pair of Pegasus every six months. But I also really like the first time I wear a new pair when they're crisp and sharp. I definitely run a little bit faster. They feel a little bit better. The best runs are always the first few with a new pair and An is telling me I could have that feeling as often as I'd like instead of just twice a year. The whole context of the decision has changed. These shoes no longer look like a crab. Before I knew it, I was putting in my credit card to pay the $30 for the first month to An. It was the first pair of shoes that I bought that weren't Nike Pegasus shoes in 10 years. The next question you need to ask about differentiation is the one that my grandpa, a first-generation immigrant from Italy, used to say over and over. He was an entrepreneur who built medical devices, and he would say, to be a difference, a difference has to make a difference. While a lot of the differentiators, design, direct-to-consumer, etc., were once enough to differentiate, they're now like all the teams in the NBA focusing on three-pointers and basketball. They're a decade late. A true differentiator should help you with the entire funnel. It should help you acquire customers, convert customers, retain customers, and spur referrals with customers. Good design and pithy copy just don't do that anymore. You need to ask, does this differentiator permeate through the whole business? Will it make it easier for me to do all the hard things? Acquire, convert, retain, and refer on subscription service does that. First on acquiring customers, the question everyone in my inbox is asking, how do I break through the noise for on this comes through press? everywhere because the subscription service is worth talking about any real differentiator should be thirty dollars a month for a shoe with unlimited new shoes is something that the press can't not write about it's way too interesting next how will on convert customers how'd they get me to pay thirty dollars for a shoe i've never worn because the low price removes the friction of trying something new before i had to pay 120 bucks to try a new shoe which is a really high price for me lowering the price makes it less of a decision This is the oldest trick in the DTC book. You probably got $15 off your first purchase of a movement watch just by listening to me say that sentence, but on isn't artificially lowering the price like most direct to consumer companies do just to jack it up after you've made your first purchase. The model is $30 a month for life. It makes me think about price differently and makes it easy for me to try long term, it's likely more profitable for on my customer lifetime value for a year is $360, assuming that I stick. Next, retention becomes about the product. The faucet's on. Customers will need to turn it off rather than the other way around. It's a far better model than paying money to stay top of mind and trying to spur me to make follow-on purchases. I have to stop the purchases rather than on having to spur me to create new ones. And finally, on referrals, the way that you'll grow is customers telling other customers about your product. We've talked about this. Growth is just a giant game of telephone. Well, runners talk to other runners. What's the holy grail for a brand? Your customers all saying the same thing about you. That's how a message sticks. If you ask 10 people about the Nike Pegasus, you'll probably get 10 different responses. If you ask 10 people who have the on running shoes, you'll get the same response. They'll say, I get a new pair whenever I want it for 30 bucks a month. That message travels. Running is social. You're outside. You run with people. People see you. It's no accident these on shoes are the crispiest of crispy white. With that subscription, your shoes will always be that white. These will be the crispy white shoes you see in the park. People will run by with them and you'll notice. It won't take long until you start to connect the dots. Oh, those are the subscription shoes. Anna's betting that'll be memorable enough that the next time you consider buying sneakers, you pause. The decision will be, should I buy normal sneakers or should I buy those subscription shoes? What they've done is change the parameters of your decision, brilliant. Let's talk about On's big bets. On's first bet is that their bean-made running shoes are good enough. Whatever shoes you wear that you've been wearing for the last 10 years because you think they're the magical pair that keeps your knees pain-free, they're betting that the technology in the past 10 years has come to the point where every shoe is good enough for everybody. People buy Kias because they're cheaper and there's no meaningful difference between a Kia and a Lexus anymore, and On's hoping that that's the same in the running shoe world. Their second bet is around jobs to be done. What's the job to be done for running sneakers? They're hoping that it's the feeling that you get the first few jogs in a new pair. If they're right, they have a big advantage over keeping the same pair for six months. Let's talk about the third bet, the one you're probably thinking of. Isn't this whole thing risky? Does this all work for $30? Can they afford to cover that many shoes if people order them every week? The business model might be risky. What if nobody wants it, or if people really do order a new pair of shoes every week? There's a quote by Mark Twain that I love. I've lived through some terrible things in my life, some of which have actually happened. What's risky isn't doing this. What's risky is not doing it. What's risky is continuing to transform into a crab. Nike isn't going to sit there on their hands. This is a cutthroat industry, and the status quo will put you in the unemployment line. I have no insider information here, but this also feels like a big test to me. What I mean is I'm not even sure that on has made these shoes yet. The shoes won't be delivered until 2021. According to the website, all you can do now is pay your 30 bucks and get dibs on them. Whenever it is that they launch, I think AN's just testing demand for the business model so that they can figure out if it actually is worth executing on. It's startup 101. This is a test. They're seeing how many people are actually willing to pay the $30. Then I imagine they'll probably roll it out to a limited group. See how frequently they actually want new pairs, and then if the whole business model makes sense, they'll roll it out to a broader audience. This is just testing to figure out if it'll all work, if it's the differentiator worth leaning into. The last question around differentiation is the most basic one How do you find differentiation? At its core, differentiation is just smashing disparate things together. Mark Merrill, the founder of Riot Games, which makes League of Legends, came on the Tacklebox podcast and talked about their business model differentiation. It sounded strikingly similar to Ons. Mark noticed that the SaaS business model was working in software and wondered why you still had to buy a new Madden game every year. Why wasn't it a monthly charge? Why wasn't it continuous? Why wasn't it a service? So how can you differentiate? You can smash stuff together. Our best entrepreneurs have wild Venn diagrams. They live in different countries. They work in different industries. They belong to disparate networks. Then they just port successful things from one world into another. If I were thinking about differentiation, that'd be my game. Think about something that works really well in one market, then try and figure out how to apply it to a different market where there's little or no overlap. Taking things that are established and proven in one industry and moving them to another is a cheat code. It's something you earn through diverse experience. So how do you hold on to that differentiation? If this is such a good business model that Ons discovered, won't it just turn into the norm? Won't Nike do this and blow On An out of the water? Sure, maybe. But there was a case I studied in business school back in the day that's always stuck in my mind. It was on Southwest, the airline. They started getting popular and completely disrupting the airline industry at some point in the 90s or early 2000s. They didn't have first class. They had no assigned seats. They only flew to select cities. They had their own terminals. People liked them. They were quirky. So Delta and American decided to start copying them. Delta added flights with no assigned seats, just like Southwest did. They created a program that had flights that only went to certain cities that you could subscribe to, like Southwest, and so on. But Delta wasn't built for this. They were built for their existing product. So the no assigned seats thing was messy and didn't work because their planes did have seat numbers and it confused everyone. The planes only going to certain cities didn't work either because there was no rhyme or reason behind it southwest was totally based on popularity of routes at certain times and limited availability this went on and on for the 10 key differentiators southwest had on all the other airlines and as delta copied each one they did in maybe 80 percent as well this ended up in a terrible product this leads us to our last important point on differentiators and that is to commit to them to build your company around them it's tough to copy something if it's in your dna my advice to on running would be to lean absolutely all the way in on this business model and build their entire process around it. Build the culture around it. That way, it won't be very portable. Lots of startups and strategies are blurring together. It's tempting to skate to where the puck was and act like the companies that succeeded the past 10 years are going to continue to succeed. But that's not where the puck is anymore. To find real, new differentiators, differentiators that'll last, you want to start by focusing on your customer's decision process. Think about successful tactics in totally different industries and imagine porting them over. Test out differentiation points like On is to see if they help with each part of the funnel. Acquisition, conversion, retention, and referral. And don't settle. We've got enough crabs. This is the Idea to Startup Podcast brought to you by Tacklebox. If you got this far, toss us a five-star rating on iTunes and text the podcast to a friend. Maybe they want to hear about crabs and running shoes too. And if you've got a startup idea that you want to get going in the margins, head to gettacklebox.com backslash self-serve, S-E-L-F-S-E-R-V-E, and test out this new product with us. Have a great week.